The following is a production by Cutting to the Chase Podcast. Tyler Aki, thanks so much for taking some time to join the podcast today. You are a producer at ESPN 1000. And actually, I wanted to start off with just kind of getting a little bit of a background of kind of how you got started and everything. So, yeah, I graduated uh, a little over a year ago now. Last, Not this past May, but the May before that, I graduated from school. And then when I got going at ESPN 1000, it's kind of a, a funny, long story. But I used to work at this uh, this clothing store in Glenview, Illinois, where I live. And my boss was friends with Jim Pastor, who used to be one of the one of the guys that worked there and was he he was he like kind of ran the show there. And um, so he was always like, yeah, keep in touch, keep in touch. And I'll let you know if anything ever comes up. And then Adam Delave, who's I believe the program director at the time, he stopped in the store and I started talking to him because I, I knew of him. I don't think I'd ever met him before, but so I just started talking to him. I was like, yeah, like I, um, I've been doing some stuff with DePaul and, and all that and just keeping busy. But if anything's open, uh, I'd be more than happy to apply and, and try to get a job there. And he was like, well, actually, we just had someone put in their two week notice on the producing side. So he said, um, give me your number, uh, give me your email. So we exchanged info. And then this was like right as good karma was coming in to to take over the whole operation. So um, what happened was I was supposed to find out that Wednesday. And I guess that Wednesday was the day that the big deal went down and everything. So then I, I was kind of out on an island. I didn't know what was happening. And then. All of a sudden, Randy Merkin, who was the one who interviewed me, and I'd known Randy for a little bit too, and he says, "Yeah, um, I, I've got permission now to to hire for the position. Are you, are you still interested?" And I said, "And this was like in October, and I probably interviewed in either August or September." And he said, "Yeah, if you're still interested, let me know." And I said, "Yeah," and then I started like a week later. So. Yeah, it's just been, what, almost nine months now, I think, I've been there, or eight months. I'm, I'm not good with uh, counting months, but yeah, that's, uh, yeah, so that's kind of how it all started, and it's it's been awesome. Yeah, so uh, I know, obviously, you, you produce Black and Abdallah. Uh, you also do a little mm-hmm. bit of, I guess, guest producing when, you know, Zetterman or whoever might be out, or Fred and Xander on Sundays, but uh, are, are you full-time, are you part-time, or... I was kind of curious. Uh, I'm part-time. part-time. Okay, that yeah. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So right. do you do other – now, you also do uh, – you work a little bit with the, the uh, UIC Flames basketball team, right? Uh, so I've only worked one UIC Flames mm-hmm. game. It was a women's game, and it was a fill-in role. But I do do a lot of stuff with DePaul and a little bit with the Big East. Okay. So I gotcha. for DePaul, I broadcast all of their Olympic sports. So it's – men's and women's soccer, uh, women's volleyball, and then I was supposed to do softball this spring, but that obviously got axed. And then I'll I'll do some sideline reporting for the Big East, whether it's women's basketball or sometimes I'll do some sideline reporting for soccer games because the way that DePaul and the Big East work is that 
DePaul has um, DePaul has their own in-house production, but occasionally the Big East wants to put it on their digital network. So for those games that are on the digital network, I don't call it the Big East is the one that makes the hires for who they want as play-by-play, as the play-by-play person for the game. And then occasionally they'll need a sideline report and then uh, oftentimes they'll ask me to do that for them. So I can imagine, obviously, with the coronavirus, and you kind of already mentioned it a little bit, but uh, even though you're part-time with ESPN 1000, it sounds like for the most part, maybe not so much this summer, I'm not sure, but it sounds like for the most part, you're able to kind of keep busy with other jobs or roles or different sports that are happening. But how much has that impacted you this year? Or has it completely changed too much, I guess, since the coronavirus and everything? Yeah, so it's definitely impacted my work, but it's definitely also made me kind of appreciative that I said yes to a lot of things as well. So what happens was when everything started coming down and things were getting canceled, um, I, I had a feeling my DePaul season for softball was going to be gone. So I was, I was kind of getting all my ducks in a row. I was like, all right, what kind of work am I going to be able to do? And then, so I was working, ESPN 1000 was really the only work I was doing for a little bit, but in a, early February, um, and actually I guess the story starts a little before that, but one of my buddies from school, he was still in school. So he was a senior at the time. He said, hey, I got to do this podcast for a class. He's like, you want to do this college basketball podcast with me? And we, we're huge college basketball fans. So, and we've always talked about, oh, yeah, we should do a college basketball podcast. So we started doing this podcast probably back in like October or November. And this guy, Jay Soderberg, I don't know if you know the name. He's better known as Pod Vader, Pod Vader but he used to produce the Fantasy Focus podcast at ESPN. And then he moved over to this network called Locked On. And Locked On does all these daily shows for it's a bunch of pro teams. So there's like a Locked On Cubs, Locked On White Sox, Locked On Bulls, Locked On Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. And so he asked me and my buddy Tim, hey, do you want to do the Locked On Syracuse podcast? Like I stumbled upon your college basketball podcast, which I don't know how the hell he found this thing. It was kind of just one of those things we did to entertain ourselves. And he stumbled upon it. And he's like, yeah, I'd I'd love to have you guys on board our college team. And so Tim and I thought about this. We're like, wow, like he's still in school. I'm working. And I don't know, are we going to be able to commit? Because it's a daily show. It's Monday through Friday. We're going to be able to commit five days a week. And I remember we got off the phone with Jay and we called each other. We were like, nah, like I'm out. I'm not doing this. And then I was walking around later that day. and I was like, you know what? We really should do this. And I called him and I was like, listen, if you don't want to do it, that's fine. I'll, I'll take on the project myself. But if you do want to do this, like, I'm, like, I'd want to do this together if we can. And so he was like, you know what? Yeah, you're probably right. And who knows what's going to happen this summer. I don't know if I'm going to have a job. And this before coronavirus was a, a big thing. Like, you had heard of it, but you, you didn't take it seriously yet. And you and he was just like, yeah, like, I don't know if I'm going to have a job this summer or not. So. I'd be really kicking myself. And he was, uh, um, he was interviewing for some AAA baseball positions, other minor league baseball positions too. He wasn't sure what he was going to get. So he was like, you know what? Fine. Well, I'm in, let's do it. And we, I got to say, we are so happy that we made that call because we used to just like doing the college basketball podcast. But once this came up, we like 
doing this this Locked On Syracuse podcast way more than we like doing our college basketball podcast now. And we're happy that we have that to do pretty much every single day. It keeps us close, keeps us working together too. So it's it's a lot of fun. And it's I'm so happy that that we said yes because these last couple of months would have been real boring without it. I'll have to check that out. And it's funny you mentioned Locked On because I've seen a lot of those different uh, like Cubs, White Sox, you know, all mm-hmm. the different ones. But I believe yeah. it was them actually. So I work, I write for uh, on the side, I write for uh, SB Nation doing the Blue Jackets. Uh, okay. You know, their page and mm-hmm. uh, we do a podcast over there and I've gotten the same kind of offers from different random people and I'm like, how do they find me? I think it was Locked On that actually hit me up too like a year or so ago. And oh, I ended really? up not doing it because I already had, we already had our own podcast and it was going well. I mean, we still have that going. And, um, but I was thinking like, wow, five podcasts. I think it was like five a day or I mean, one a day for the week, you know, five a week. They don't and, have to be long. Yeah. 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 I, I'm sure it can definitely they don't need to be like 20 to 30 minutes. Yeah. But right. Yeah. It's still time it takes. Yeah. yeah. But I was just like, well, we have ours with SB Nation and it's like, I'm already over there. But that's cool though that you got, you know, that that's working for you though, especially this year with everything that's, you know, happening and not happening. So yeah, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, definitely. So I'll have to check that out. Um, so talk about what it's like as a producer, whether it's Black and Abdallah. You know, I, I've talked with them. I've talked with Merkin. They're all, they all seem really awesome. They, they all seem just like they are on the radio talking with them one on one. Uh, but what is it like producing? What was it like the first day, I guess, when you had a, when you're starting, uh, you know, being on even, even, you know, sometimes they get, you're on the radio too, but you're, you know, chiming in, uh, yeah. they'll, they'll, they'll kind of bring you into the conversation. So what is the average day like for you? And even just from how I got started. So, okay. So for your first question there, I remember my first day I was working a world series game when, when they're on ESPN 1000, we have board ops and they run the local spots and I walk in and I'm, I'm really not sure. Like, I, I just remember I was like, wow, like this is the first time walking into this building. And I'd listened to ESPN 1000 since like fourth grade. I'd been listening. And I just walking in there was really cool for me. And like I'd been down there a couple of times, but to, you walk in, you got your own badge and everything. And it's like you don't have to wait in the landing areas anymore. You, you, you can kind of walk around, free roam around the building now, which was really cool. But I remember I walked in. I was working, I was, I guess this was technically training for me and I was working with Sean Davis and I remember he was, and still is, one of the nicest people there. He's just kind of giving me the lay of the land, like how everything sort of works and asking me a bunch of questions about myself and he's giving me the whole grand tour of things and showing me how everything works and I, I and this wasn't even like a show or anything and then I started shadowing some of the shows and it's just the whole experience. It was it was kind of surreal for me because I'd grown up listening forever, and to like I'd grown up listening to Waddle and Sylvie, grown up listening to uh, Carmen and Yurko, and I, I listened to Cap before he was at ESPN, and then a little bit while he was at ESPN One Thousand. So it just to to go from being a guy who was kind of a fan of all of it to now being coworkers and intermingling with these people, that entire process was, was really cool for me. 
Yeah, definitely. So what is it like uh, specifically with like Black and Abdallah, for instance? Uh, like I said, I feel like I've talked with them one-on-one. They seem they seem super, you know, like chill and awesome. And just like they are, I think, uh, on the radio or even on Twitch, you know, we can watch them now. I feel like yeah. the way they look, the way they present themselves is exactly how they come across when you're just talking with them one-on-one. Um, so what's it like working with them? Um, you know, I, I've told them before, it's like, you know, it might be a bit, it might not be something that's going according to plan, but you guys make it come across so seamless, so cool. You keep your cool. Uh, they roll with everything, it seems. So it's just like, I can imagine, like, they probably help make your job easier too, especially kind of oh, for yeah. someone starting out because they're definitely pros and they've been through it. So what's it like kind of, uh, I guess, being under their tutelage, so to speak? So the thing about Black and Abdallah is the fact that since they're both producers, they know exactly what I'm doing every single day too. And they're like, when it comes to getting their show ready. So I'm not going to say like, they don't give me work to like, they give me work to do, but it's not as much work as some of the other shows ask of me because like some, some of the, the other shows like, okay, there's different segments you have to do. And like, really the only thing that I have to work on for them, aside from cutting maybe sound bites that aren't already in the system. And again, a lot of things are already in our audio system from the day before because uh, Fred and Meller will host a show or it's the hockey show or something like that. So a lot of things are already in the system. I just kind of have to take care of anything that happens Saturday night. And so um, since they know a lot of what they're going to do already, like the, the chemistry between those two is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, yeah. everything that you see on the air is, is the same as it is off the air. I mean, they, they hold that same chemistry. It's, it's kind of surreal that they do have that level of chemistry. And again, they've been working together, I think for over a decade and they've known each other since high school. I know they weren't necessarily friends in high school, but they, they knew of each other. Yeah. In high school. Right. Um, but yeah, no. So it's, it's awesome working with them. And I guess like, okay, to separate things, Chris Black, that man knows how to use sound like an absolute mastermind. Like it, I always, when I'm working their show, there's always one moment each show, at least one moment each show where that dude does something with sound that I was like, I would never have thought to do that. Like, how did you have that ready? How did you know where that was? And just, it's just the fact that he's, he's been doing it now for what, like 10 years. And so he's got that. He's just got that all second nature game. And it's always fascinating to me because he's balancing, all right, talking to Abdallah and then, okay, I got to click through and find this and that. And it's just crazy. And then Abdallah is just, Abdallah is just quick witted, knows, knows how to keep things loose, make people laugh. And, and I mean, the two of them together, it's just, I mean, they're, they're awesome together and I love working with them and, and two of my favorite people at the station, no doubt. Yeah, they're definitely pros. I know I've told this to them and whoever, but I know uh, I started listening to ESPN 1000 like two years ago. I was at work. I was, you know, listening to music, got tired of music, wanted to find something sports, you know, something. And uh, I just remember I was catching Cap in the morning just because they were on at that time. Mm-hmm. So I, I became a fan. But um, yeah, I, I really quickly uh, I started like just tuning in more because I liked what I was hearing. And then Black and Abdallah were on. And it was like, yeah, these guys are awesome because like you mentioned the wit uh i love the fact that they just don't really take it too seriously except you know when they have to be serious they definitely can be and provide yep. you know the news that needs to be done but uh i love the humor and as you guys as you know we'll tweet at them you know mm-hmm. 
on Sundays or whatever. Yeah. And I never expected to be doing that. And part of that's the other thing too. Um, I never before, you know, Black and Abdallah or, you know, listening to, listening to ESPN 1000, I was never really adding or, uh, you know, tweeting at people like that, but they would respond. And I was like, well, that's part of the fun. And once I realized that they liked being able to kind of go back and forth, I was like, all right, this is really fun now. So that's kind of how that got got started. But I never expected to be, um, you know, doing it the way we all, we all do now, like me and some of the other like ESPN 1000 uh, frequent listeners. So were you, were (laughs) you kind of surprised by, yeah, yeah, exactly. Were you kind of surprised by, I guess, some of the social media interaction that takes place or is it just kind of like standard, I guess, on in that? in that setting, I guess. But, you know, like I, I never expected the, the good question army and just all that stuff as it is. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm probably in a, in a unique situation since I'm like the, the good question gatekeeper. Um, but I, no, I didn't ever expect any of that because uh, like I walk in there, I'm, I'm the lowest man on the totem pole. I didn't figure anyone would ever know my name or anything like that. And listen, like people don't even know how to, spell my name usually so the fact, the fact that people have and like random people have found me followed me added me was kind of like how could you even find me because i mean i like if you asked me how to spell my name and i had no idea i wouldn't know how to spell my name and and it's it's simple it's it's three letters but it's how would you go about it does it start with an a does it start with an o i, I mean there's so many different ways you could go about spelling my last name. And that's why I've always been impressed that they've actually been able to find me on the, on, uh, on Twitter and all that stuff. Yeah. It's, it's hilarious. Just a lot of the interactions that happen, especially on Sundays, like, Oh, Sunday's a riot, man. I love Sundays. When you were at Syracuse, did you always know that you wanted to be in sports, I guess, basically sports media, sports broadcasting, or how did that kind of come about for you as a, just as a passion and, obviously a career. Yeah. So it actually, it starts back in my high school, Glenbrook South high school. And what happens is, so we have a radio station at our high school and we would have talk shows, broadcast football, basketball, a couple baseball games every once in a while too. So I, I'd always heard about this class because of the teacher. The teacher is this, this guy named Dr. Dan Oswald. We all call him doc. And Everyone takes the class because of Doc, because he was, he's like, you hear all the time, a player's coach, he's like a student's teacher. So we'd always take the class and a lot of people took it because of like, oh, it's like a chill class. Like I don't need to do much, whatever. But if you do take it seriously, like it's a lot of fun and it's, it's actually carved out a, a nice little path for a lot of people out of my high school. So I know like I went to, to school for broadcasting then a lot of kids Younger than me followed, whether it was Syracuse, Arizona State, um, Mizzou, a couple other schools throughout the country. So they would all, they all kind of followed. And like I followed some other people too behind it. And so there's, there were so many, um, there were so many opportunities for me in high school. And I'll, I'll never forget this because I actually credit this moment to maybe changing my life. But there was a, football game I believe it was Glenbrook South versus Glenbrook North so we're playing against a rival and so I was a sophomore in high school at the time and they said okay we're uh or we need one person to do stats like we filled all the other positions we just need someone to do stats crickets no one's doing it no one's raising their hand no one wants to do it and he's like and my, the teacher doc is just like come on guys like we need someone to do this we and like it's stats like you can get away without doing stats probably but He's pressing because he probably wants one of the younger kids to do it. And so me, 
timid little sophomore in class, I raise my hand and say, I'll do it. And, and here's the thing about the radio classes too, is like there's legacies at the radio station. So like pretty much everyone I was in class with had an older sibling that had gone through this radio program before, or the, the teacher had known their older brothers, older siblings. I'm the oldest in my family. So I have no legacy. I'm just taking it because my friends are taking it. So he has no idea what my name is or anything like that. So he puts me down and then things start to move. And he's like, okay, you want to call the, the sophomore game next week? And I said, yeah, sure. And so ever since then, I just got more and more involved in radio. And that, that pretty much kind of snowballed everything to what I've done so far in radio like without that moment of me maybe raising my hand to do stats for a high school football game who knows like i don't know if i'm in radio right now or, or doing stuff with, with media at all yeah for sure yeah you know you mentioned the sound aspect of things too and like i don't know i, I never was super serious in the podcasting until kind of recently mm-hmm. uh i just you know i remember like four years ago now i uh was like i want to like i was i was huge in the writing and i had my own website and all that stuff and uh but I wanted to interview people in sports like Jerry Krasnick from ESPN a few mm-hmm. years ago. I talked with like Carl Ravage and Dan Shulman recently. Don't um, son. So, he's a nice guy. Oh yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I, it was funny actually. I was listening. So I actually talked with, you know, Black and Abdallah in the last few, you know, months mm-hmm. now, uh, and Merkin and Cap, but, uh, yeah, it was actually, I was listening to, uh, Carmen and Yurko not that long ago, about, I guess it was about May now, uh, and Dan Shulman was on there. Yeah. And right then I was like, oh, that'd be awesome to talk with him. So I had him on Twitter and he was like, yeah, let's oh, do it. So I did. He's a nice guy really cool. in the world, nice family, everything. And, and the kid, so yeah, it was awesome. his son was a freshman when I was a senior. So I was kind of in charge of like directing him around and like showing him the ropes. But I mean, he, he's a, he's a really sharp kid. I think he does his own sort of, uh, podcast thing now and he, he does some some or he used to do some or he was supposed to be doing some uh baseball announcing in, in cape cod this summer i believe that's awesome yeah yeah uh it was really cool to talk with dan it was funny because uh yeah you mentioned the audio and so yeah i the podcast thing was kind of new we were kind of doing our own we, we do our you know our thing with the uh the canon the sp nation page with the blue jackets and but you know for me it was just kind of random just trying to get interviews with random people and people in sports mainly mm-hmm. uh but now i've been kind you know i've been trying to churn it out a little bit more and get more people and um now i've made it more of an official podcast but uh i've been learning more about kind of the editing and audio aspect of things not that i have it down by any means but i've figured out what works and i mainly just go through like garage band i don't have uh Adobe, what is it, Premiere? Audition, or yeah. Audition, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you mentioned Black being kind of a master at that. And I was asking, I was picking his brain about that stuff too because I was super curious about just that aspect of the editing and being able to do what you can with audio. And, yeah, it's, it's definitely become more of an interest and, you know, more of a passion, I guess, to kind of learn more and get more sophisticated with that aspect of everything as well. Yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing what you can do. And I, I learned things from him, from Odala, from Meller, from Eric, from Sean, all these guys. Like I, I just learn all these different little tips and tricks and it just, it makes my life easier. It makes my life editing my own podcast easier. And it's just these little things they go a long way and it ends up making yeah. the product sound a lot better. And it kind of gets back to the thing. Like if you want to put your name behind it, you might as well make it good. 
So for me, like if I didn't make my, if I didn't go the extra mile to make that college basketball podcast sound good, who knows if I'm doing that Syracuse podcast on top of that. And I think it's just, you never know who's listening to it. And I think that that was one of the big things that they taught us at Syracuse is you never know who's listening to you. And that's why you should always put your best foot forward anytime you turn a microphone on. And so, especially at our station, because the station that I, I worked at in college, it's got a very decorated legacy with some of the people who would work there. So a lot of the alums, they'll tune in. And, and even me as an alum, like I'll tune in. Not that I'm some big person in, in sports media, but I'll tune into the games because, well, for me at least, those are a lot of my friends that I'd be listening to. So I want to listen to them call the game as, and if, especially if I'm, I'm driving around, I can just hook my phone up to it and, and listen on the app. So I, I'll listen to them. Um, and then it's just all these alums too that, that are listening all the time. When you're not, I, I asked Black this too, uh, when I talked with him a while ago, um, I was curious, like how often he listens to the shows when he's not working. Cause I imagine on, mm-hmm. and he told me, you know, it's kind of a balance between if he's not going to work, the rest of that night, for instance, uh, he might listen to, to Waddle and Sylvie, but if he's got a show with Abdallah, he's probably not going to be listening as much. But uh, do you kind of keep the the radio on when you're not there, or do you kind of get away from it, get a break? I, I can imagine it's probably a bit of a bit of a balance. Yeah, so I mean, I try to listen as much as I can, and I think the the whole app, the ESPN Chicago app, is so great for all of that. And if I, I miss anything, I try to catch up on the podcast too. So I think one thing too, and Again, I, th- I think Black was talking about this on the show this past Sunday about the log that gets sent out. So sometimes, too, I'll peruse the log. And if there's something that a topic or something that piques my interest, I'm going to make sure I listen at that time. So, I yeah, I, I listen as much. Like, I was just listening to Wild and Sylvie before we did this. Um, and I, ju- I would try to listen as much as I can. And I think all of us kind of do, too, because... It makes for whether people are doing things in crosstalk. It helps it helps that banter. Or if people are just you want to do something a little bit different too. If something's been being really hammered all day and you want to put your own little spin on it, then that helps too because you don't want to necessarily sound like the same talking head every single time. You want to put your own unique spin on things too. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, they all everybody at the station seems to be able to do that really well. I mean, I listen. I listen to a majority of the shows and definitely catch the pods a lot of the times when I have to go back and hear something or or whatever the case. Yeah, I'm surprised you're taking a, a little bit of a break here. What? You're yeah, you know it's funny. Work has been right. so crazy lately, and I, I I'm like jumping on the phone and getting off the phone, and it's like I gotta I got sometimes I have the twitch on and sometimes it's on mute or I have to or I, I usually have it on, <laughs> but. Yeah, lately, I'm actually on PTO for the next two weeks coming up, so I'll be able to listen to everything all day. <laughs> I'll be adding everybody on Twitter. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's, gotcha. It gets crazy during the week sometimes. But um, <laughs> so for those, you kind of already kind of alluded to this indirectly, but for those that would be trying to be like the next Tyler Rocky or whoever, you know, in your shoes, what kind of... Ad- I don't know if you want to go down that. Path. Well, what kind of advice would you have for anybody that's trying to 18-year-old or whoever... Uh, you know, they want to be in radio, uh, you know, obviously you've got your, you've had some success at this point. So what would you kind of share or, you know, what the best way someone could try to get into your shoes or not your shoes, obviously, but you know, alongside mm-hmm. you. Yeah. I would say go to Syracuse. No, um, that, that, that's a joke. Um, but, um, 
I would just say you want to try to figure things out. And, and this, this kind of sounds weird to say in, a, in an aspect, but one of the things that I really wish I did a little more in college is I tried to, I think early on, you want to try to figure out what you like. And I remember I heard this advice and it was kind of contrary to everything I'd heard. Everyone else had said, try everything, do everything, don't say no to anything. And like, while I would also say, don't say no to anything, that, that's another thing I would say, don't say, especially when you're young, don't say no to any, any opportunity because you never know what it's going to lead to. But on top of that, I would also say, try to figure out the things that you like early on. And don't try to just like something because some, like all, a bunch of my friends from college, they're all play-by-play guys. And I think I tried to like the play-by-play aspect a lot more than I really did in college. And even though I still do it now, I definitely enjoy the radio podcast and talk side of the business a lot more. So I would say, try to figure out what you like early on. Now, the only way you know what you like is by actually trying everything. So try everything, see what you like, and then go from there. So I, and then I remember Nick Friedel told me that. And I was like, well, that's kind of against everything that I've been told, but like, I'll, I'll keep that in mind. And I kind of wish I had spent a little more time in college with uh, the talk aspect of things. And, and towards the, I would say, like my senior year, that's when I, I really started to gear into it a little bit more. But I still did the, the play-by-play stuff on the side just because, I mean, the, the way that the, the Syracuse broadcasting system works is that you kind of have to pay your dues. So did I pay all my dues just to really not get a lot of, at least on the play-by-play side, did I pay all those dues and not really get the payoff that I wanted out of it? Where, and whereas talk, it's a little more loose in that aspect as opposed to the play-by-play side. And so um, once I got going my senior year, I, I put a lot more of my time and effort into the talk side of things, but I also got to enjoy a lot of the stuff on the play-by-play side as well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think even for me, like I really come to appreciate, uh, aside from just the, the broadcasting aspect, I've kind of gotten, you know, like the, the, the behind the scenes stuff, like the mm-hmm. editing and all that's that, that, you know, yeah, so like what you guys, all. what yeah, you do is awesome. You don't know what you're going to yeah. like. I've got a bunch of friends who, they all thought that, oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to do be a play-by-play guy, I'm going to be a talk show host, and then they get a little producing experience, and they completely change every, everything that they know. They, they want to go in and be a television production person. They want to go be a live game producer. And I think that's one of the unique things, especially, I mean, pretty much all of these colleges these days, whether it's... I know a lot of the Big Ten schools, they've got what's called BTN Student U, and it's a lot of these broadcasts are put on by students, and they look professional quality. You've got like the Fox graphics, or in the at a school like mine, where you're in the ACC, you've got the ACC Network Extra, or the ACC Digital Network, and they all put on... I mean, it's you get the, the ESPN-style graphics and everything at your disposal, and, and you're working with people who have worked at ESPN or have worked at Fox and they're all very, very qualified and they're teaching you the ropes and you're getting real live experience of producing a game. I mean, you click on a game on watch ESPN for a a college um, broadcast. There is a, 
I would say there's at least a 50% chance that there are multiple, if not half of the staff is students. Like that's the point where it's at right now. And I mean, even the, the games that I do at DePaul, the, the only people on for any of the DePaul games that I do that are, I guess everyone's technically paid, but the only people that are not students there, I had a boss who has since moved on from DePaul who is in the truck and is directing the whole show. And then there is me. We are the only two that are graduated from college. Everyone else is a student. And I would say there's probably anywhere between six to 10 other people in the operation, but pretty much all of us are, or pretty much all of them are students that are working in these broadcasts, which is amazing. Yeah, that's really, yeah, that's really impressive. So are you more of a Cubs fan or White Sox or do you Definitely kind of follow both? Fan. Yep. Grew Cubs, Cubs okay, fan gotcha. Gotcha. So what are your thoughts right now? Another three and one. It's early, t- kind of. I mean, it's early in the sense that yeah, it's three I mean, like and one, the, but 60 game season. The way through it. It's so. Yeah, exactly. So I, after the first couple games, I was definitely worried about the bats because I know the Cubs last season, I don't remember the exact number. They, they may have been tops or if not tops second in the entire league in runs run percentage coming from home runs and i don't think that's the most dependable way to live especially when you're going ballpark to ballpark and you're playing half your season away from home i don't think that's the the best way to produce your runs i think it's better if you can manufacture runs and through the first couple of games i was a little worried that that was going to come back and bite them at some time but these past two games they've started to show that that's not necessarily the case with them that they can actually produce runs. And I think it's from shuffling up the order a little bit and, and maybe guys starting to find their groove. I also think hitters are starting to, it seems like pitchers really dominated those first couple games, but it seems like now, and again, we have a four game sample size, but it seems like that tide's starting to turn now and the hitters are starting to catch up with the pitchers and you're seeing more bullpen arms come in early and you're seeing a guy like Lester who only threw what, 76 pitches last night? For a guy like him, he's usually throwing 95 to 100 pitches. And I think that once you start to see, once I saw the Cubs start to manufacture runs, I had a little more confidence in the offense. I think the starting pitching, still a lot of questions with it. I want to see it drawn out a little bit longer. And then the bullpen is, it's a mess right now. But but I will say this, is that, while we have seen the bullpen struggle, we have seen very little of some of the guys who were their top arms from a year ago come out of the bullpen. We've seen very limited Kyle Ryan, very limited Rowan Wick, and then Brad Wick is now on, on the, the injured list, the 10-day injured list. But when you've got a closer like Craig Kimbrell and he's putting up the performance that you saw last season when you thought that getting him in a, a spring training and, and getting him some of these other innings to would it be the thing that got him ready for the season? That's what concerns me. So I think that bullpen, I mean, I mentioned you're seeing a lot of quick hooks with these pitchers, so that's going to be a problem. But we'll see how it all ends up because, again, I know it's cliche, but 60 games, pretty much anything can happen. I didn't think that the Cubs would be at first after the first four games. but I know. Yeah. I imagine that you saw through the, the – through the ninth inning last night, right? Oh, yeah. Moving on every yep. night. Oh, my God. I was so ready for that. I was like, 8-5. I know it's dicey anyway with Kimbrel right now, but I was like, it should be fine. But then when it was like, you know, bases loaded, and I'm like, yeah, they're going to blow this. But then Jeffers <laughs> came in, and they luck- They got lucky, honestly. They got I mean, lucky. It, yeah, even I mean, that Joey Votto ball. 
Yeah, I saw that thing come off the bat, and I was like, oh, that looks like one of those classic slice because it's a lefty. It's going to slice away from the center fielder, and I thought that was going to maybe drop in or, or find a gap, and then it held up just enough for Almora. And I got to say, I, I was a little surprised that ball didn't find turf. So aside from being a producer, or at least, I guess, being a producer on the radio, do you have other tasks that you have to do, I guess, that aren't necessarily producing a show? Like maybe you would get called in to do, I don't even know, or is it mainly just being a producer? And you mentioned, I think, board op, right? Yeah, so it's a board op. Sometimes you got to walk Caps dogs. No. Um, <laughs> the, the things, other things that you might get called in to do, um, you don't really get called in to do this, but like you've got a lot of audio cutting to do just to have it handy. Um, occasionally, like now we're doing a lot of montages, so... I've been asked sometimes, hey, can you can you do a montage from home? Yeah, I can I can do that. Um, transcribing some interviews too. I'm trying to think what else. What's the best way? I'm just curious. What's the best way to transcribe? Because I used to do. I don't know how I did this. I would literally. Uh, I, I mean, you probably have a way better way to do this, but I would just listen. I would do my my uh, my interview. And then I would literally just play it back and type up what I'm doing. I know there's probably some kind of software that could type up what's being played back, right? Because I was literally like manually typing and listening. It was so tedious and annoying and I would do that. And then finally, I was just like, I'm just going to do the the, uh, the podcast and not worry about typing up the whole interview. But like, what do you guys do when you when it comes to that? I mean, that's literally what we do. We I, And maybe there's a better way up there. I've started to not experiment, but... Sometimes you can find these uh, speech-to-text things, and they're not perfect, but it's, it's good enough where if you just read through it after, you can clean up anything that the speech-to-text may have lost in translation. So I, I'm, I'm trying to remember what I use. It, um, I can't remember the exact software it is, but, or even like sometimes you just put the put your interview up to your phone and it's like Siri or something like that, or voice text, you can voice text on your phone. You just do that and then copy it on over. And then anything that it may be uh, mispronounced or mistyped, I guess is the, the better way to put it. Anything it mistyped, you can just clean up yourself and it's a lot easier that way. But so you mainly do the listening and typing it up too, though you said, yeah, I mean, okay, <laughs> it sounds, gotcha. sounds stone gotcha. age, but yeah, it's, <laughs> that's the way that we do I, it. Yeah. I was doing it, yeah, and it's just like, oh my god, this is so tedious. In fact, I did a quick post last week for one of our articles for the Canon where I was like, how about I, because I had to come up with some sort of article, and I was like, how about, you know, I, I do our hosting, editing of our podcast, and I was like, let me, uh, how about I summarize all of our interviews that we've had, and I'll do like a blurb for each one, and even just for those blurbs, <laughs> I was going back listening and typing yeah. it up, and I was like, man, it was really cool, but it was just like, I used to do the whole thing, and I was like, I don't know how I did this, because it's just so tedious and annoying, but um, yeah. yeah, totally get it's, that. Uh, it's annoying. I had a roommate in college. He, he worked for the newspaper, and, and not the radio stations, or TV, st oh, I guess he did work for the TV stations too, but he would always come home complaining, oh, I've got to transcribe this interview, and I guess what newspaper people do, I didn't know this, but before they even write their articles, they just transcribe everything. And it's like, the way I always thought is, why wouldn't you just transcribe the things you want to use? Because that, that would just make a lot more sense that instead of transcribing the entire thing and then you're using like only parts of it. Like if I'm cutting up a, a Matt Nagy press conference and there's a, a meaningless answer or a nothing answer. I'm not cutting it up. I'm, I'm just 
I'm taking the, the audio chunks that I want to use. And so he would always complain. And I guess a, a common service that happens at the, the student newspaper at Syracuse is a lot of these big writers will pay the students to transcribe their interviews for them. So I think, I can't remember, oh, there's a baseball writer and I can't remember who it is. It's a big baseball writer. Um, but I think like also Pete Thamel who works at Yahoo, he does that. And it's like all these, all these guys will pay these students to, cause like they, and once upon a time, there were other people that used to pay them to, to transcribe interviews for them. And then it's just kind of one of those things that get passed down and down for generations. And, and all the cash that you made, you're pretty much paying back to the next generation of kids. Yeah. It made me wonder how that was done. I was like, there's gotta be a, a way. And I guess it's sort of similar so you interned or worked in minor league baseball too, right? So I worked on, in, I didn't work in minor league baseball. I worked in like a, a collegiate summer league. So I worked my first summer, I worked in, in Syracuse. It's a small uh, collegiate league called the NYCBL. Not a lot of huge alums came out of there. The only one that really hit a big was Hunter Pence. He came out of there, but it's mostly a league for D3 players. But then my sophomore year, I went to the Cape. Cape Cod, and that is like the premier wood bat summer league. It's the top guys, aside from the guys who go play for Team USA, and even some of the guys that do play for Team USA, they play on the Cape. And so I'm starting now to get to the point where there's a lot of guys who played on the Cape that are starting to get called up. Like my friend's team, he had Nico Horner on it. So I saw a lot of Nico Horner games. And I've got my scorebook too, and it's cool looking through all these games and seeing all these guys and like, Nick Madrigal, he played when I was there. Um, Kyler Murray actually played when I was there too. And I, I remember we were all shocked. All, like I remember going in the group chat of all my friends from, from the Cape. And when Kyler Murray got picked seventh overall, we were all like, what? Like, he wasn't that great. And, and one of, it was funny, one of my buddies from high school, he actually was pitching on the Cape too. And I remember texting him and, and talking to him and I was like, Tyler Murray's go went seventh overall. And he was just like, I had no problem spacing him. Like, <laughs> and, and he, uh, so he actually, he's in the blue Jays system now, but he, um, yeah. And, and he was like, yeah, th- I mean, I, I didn't understand it either. Really the only thing he did was he was fast. So if he did get on base, he was going to be a problem, but, and, and he could cover a lot of ground in the field, but nothing that he did really, that was super spectacular, especially spectacular enough to make him the seventh overall pick. So, but yeah, no, it's all these guys that were, and I think this year you're going to see a lot more of them start to come up. Like one of the top Phillies prospects, Alec Bohm, he, he played when I was there. Um, Griffin Conine, who was Jeff Conine's son. Um, Tony Graffinino's son was up there. Uh, and it's just this, this, it's just these pipeline guys. And it's like some of these guys, like I had baseball cards with their dad and um, they're only like a year younger than me or they're actually, I think most of them actually were the same age as me then, but it was cool. And it was definitely cool to see a guy like Nico Horner come up because I had watched him play that entire time on the Cape. And then he's, he's all of a sudden he's, he's with the Cubs and he's the first one up. I was surprised he was the first one up of all the guys that I saw, but yeah, it was just a really cool experience to see all those guys. Yeah, so I actually interned in media relations and marketing with the Augusta Green Jackets in 2016. And then I also had an internship with the Flying Squirrels here in Richmond back in 2013. And 
in Richmond, Todd, Todd Parnell is the uh, COO of the team, and he had all the connections and all the celebrities that would come into town for you know first pitches and whatnot would hang out in the office in his office before and after games. And uh, Ryan Vogel's son was here in town rehabbing, and Kevin Nash was here at the same time, and they were both in the office, and everybody was hanging out afterwards. And Kevin Nash was just telling all these stories and pounding like one Bud Light Lime after the other. And the joke was that the, the they were the Kevin Nash's going forward. Those beers were the Kevin Nash's. So it was funny. It was really cool. I got to say like two words to vocal song, but uh, definitely a cool moment. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. One of my buddies worked for the Flying Squirrels for a little bit, too. Yeah, he, he, he loved being in Richmond. I think he was from Richmond, too. Uh, but yeah, minor league baseball, man. It's it's a it's a grind, but it's also everyone's got minor league baseball or, or amateur baseball stories. Oh, definitely, man. That is for sure. Well, I want to thank you for coming on to the pod. This was really fun, and yeah, thanks so much for just sharing some of your stories. Yeah, appreciate it, Will. I mean, thank you so much for uh, supporting all of us too at ESPN One Thousand. I know it means a lot to all of us when we see. Uh, a Twitter notification from Will Chase um, <laughs> pop up on our phones. Oh, yeah. But I appreciate the support that you show me, that you show the rest of the guys, and it means a lot. Yeah, I can only imagine what you guys must think when you see all these tweets come <laughs> in from me. No, I mean, we do love, like, that's the thing, is, is like, I, I'm sure for you guys, you think there's, like, some group chat among us where we're, like, talking, like, oh, my God, like, another one. No, like, we, we just, we like having the guys interact, whether it's you or, Nick or, or John or all those guys, we, we like getting the interaction with you guys. And, and hey, it means that this, there's someone listening too, or someone that, that's a fan. And, and we really appreciate it. And it's, it's awesome to see you guys and connect with you guys too. And honestly, I mean, it's just fun, but uh, I'll be busy, you know, doing something or I'll be busy working on something. And then I'll hear something funny and it's like, oh, I got to tweet this at Black Real Fast or whatever. But it's always fun. Tyler, thanks again so much for uh, taking the time to join me today. It was great, you know, hearing your stories and just getting to talk a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Nice talking with you. Nice to put a name to the face. And, uh, I mean, if you ever want me again, just let me know. My, my DMs are up. Yeah, feel free to hit me up.